0: Welcome, everyone. It's Wednesday here, and it's our newest edition of WeatherWise. So, we have a new podcast here for you today. And I'm meteorologist Ulysses Garcia, and I am here with
1: meteorologist Sloan Haynes.
0: So, yeah, so our You know, FSU Seminoles here on this podcast, and we're going to talk to you about the tropics, but we're actually going to talk to you about a certain topic, and it's going to be about rapid intensification. You've been hearing this term a lot over the last couple of years, and we're going to, you know, explain it to you what it's all about and uh, what storms have actually fit this criteria over the last couple of years. So, uh, Sloan, do you want to take it away and exactly tell everybody what is rapid intensification?
1: So rapid intensification is when a tropical cyclone intensifies dramatically in a short period of time. So the uh, National Hurricane Center defines this as a cyclone whose winds strengthened by 35 miles per hour, more over a 24-hour period. So, again, the cyclone is greatly strengthening, taking a look at the winds, seeing that the winds are becoming stronger. And if we think about Ida from last week, we know that this was the case with this system. It rapidly intensified. We saw the winds become stronger, and it went from a... You know, just a hurricane up to a major hurricane within a 24 hour period. And that's what made it so um, devastating at landfall that went intensified up to a category four hurricane before it made landfall in uh, southern Louisiana. So there are some conditions we need for this to occur. Uh, we've always talked about it but how we always say that warm water for a tropical system is like fuel to the fire so with rapid intensification to occur you need the fuel you need the warm ocean temperatures and that is why we see a lot of systems um intensify in the gulf of mexico because of how warm those ocean temperatures are. I always compare the ocean temperatures there to be like bath water, very warm. And also something else is that because of the Gulf of Mexico that these warm waters are a little deeper than what you could find in the atlantic there's not a lot of overturning in the gulf of mexico bringing the cold to the top of the surface so you're staying warm throughout a good amount of depth there so if there is overturning because of this tropical system that cooler water isn't reaching the surface it's not impacting that system so it's staying warm for a good amount of depth so that's just you know adding more fuel to the fire there, allowing these systems to um, strengthen almost you could think of it without any bounds so continuing to intensify until eventually it reaches some upper level winds drier air lands something that will hinder its development
0: no yeah absolutely and when it comes to rapid intensification especially in the gulf we tend to see this a lot more commonly say when meteorologists show water temperatures in the gulf it's usually when the water temperature is 86 degrees a lot of people say that's like Um, If you have that water temperature just itself, we usually say 80 degrees is the minimum for hurricanes to intensify. But I feel like if you had 86 degrees, a lot of meteorologists say that's the benchmark for the potential for rapid intensification. And like you said, the Gulf is just a hotbed of that. And there's just been so many examples over the last decade Mm -hmm. or so where we have seen storms coming out of the Caribbean or coming out of the Atlantic. And they enter the Gulf and, um, you know, and they just start, you know, they just start developing um, once again, you know, if they're, you know, if they're shattered, um, you know, they get like a second life there in the Atlantic. And there's also other factors as well. You also got to keep in mind, you know, low low wind shear. So along with the fact that you need those warm waters, you have to have low wind shear. So those changes in wind direction in height, which is what helps tornadoes to form. But when it comes to tropical systems, they hate that. Um, So as long as you have low wind shear, like Sloan said, you know, with dry air, low wind shear, um, that's also one component that helps when it comes to uh, rapid intensification because when you have wind shear involved, that will actually blow those thunderstorms away from the center, and what you're trying to do when it comes to rapid intensification is have all those thunderstorms more embedded closer to the center of circulation, Mm -hmm. to the eye of the storm, and then also, you also have to include uh, upper level high pressure above the cyclone, um, you know, can help induce that intensification. When you have a high, um, that can push the air out and away from the center of a storm, and that actually helps lower um, that air pressure when it comes to the center of the storm. And those are usually just a couple of the necessary ingredients that need to take place when it comes to rapid intensification. Mm. Uh, But definitely, you know, I know for, definitely when it comes to the Gulf of Mexico, it's just that that water temperature, um, you know, it's just, that's the bread and butter. Anytime Mm. we mention that water temperature, that's usually the, the top thing that everybody, Um, the top red flag that goes when it comes to rapid intensification.
1: And you just touched on it, too, is that generally when we have these um, strengthening systems, we will see that eye wall become a little deeper, the low pressure become a little deeper, rather lowering that pressure. So that's, you know, also contributing to the strength um, of the cyclone. So when we have that low pressure at the surface, um, that's what's causing the air to rise around because the winds are converging. And that is when we're starting to see those thunderstorms beginning to form a little closer to um, the eye wall, which Ulysses was mentioning is that you're intensifying that. You have these winds that are strengthening and what we saw with Ida was that before it made landfall uh, Daniel and I mentioned it last week on the podcast that it tried to undergo eye wall replacement. And that's something that means that you know the cyclone is just trying to become stronger it's trying to strengthen its eyeball because the stronger the core of this system is the stronger it will be so eyeball replacement i like to say it's like recharging a battery for the system they're trying to reach their full potential all over again and that is what we see with these systems but um, if we talk about the 2020 hurricane season we saw these systems rapidly intensify um and that's what caused that number to really uh greatly increase we saw systems that became quickly named we saw systems rapidly intensify before landfall hannah one of those storms that formed off in the gulf that did continue to um strengthen and then we saw this year with ida we are probably going to see it with another system as we head throughout this um hurricane season but if we talk about um hannah It was in the Gulf of Mexico to Padre Island, Texas, and it became a strong category one hurricane just before landfall. So it doesn't even have to go from, you know, different categories of a hurricane where we can see rapid intensification. We can see these systems greatly intensify from a tropical storm to a hurricane within a 24 hour period.
0: No, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like you touched it, uh, 2020 had the most um, ever and, you know, 2020 itself, uh, you know, we like there was even some storms that went from tropical storms or even tropical depressions all the way to major hurricanes, and some of these in 2020 were just occurring at times of the year when they shouldn't be happening. Mm-hmm. Like especially when we got into the Greek alphabet storms last year, when we started getting rain right to October, November. Um, you know, we had Hurricane um, Ada. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it actually had a 105 mile an hour increase. In 36 hours, mm-hmm. so you know that that is rapid intensification, but obviously in a little bit more expanded time. But still, 36 hours, 105 mile an hour intensification, and and this was actually towards um, you know going into October and November when, especially by November, the water temperatures are already cooling off a good amount, and the areas of development actually tend to shrink. But the fact that here we are going into you know past Halloween and we're dealing with major hurricanes, and this is the one that, you know, went over Nicaragua. And then the same thing happened a couple weeks later uh, with IOTA, but the fact that, you know, the big storms that, you know, popped up the list for 2020 were Laura, Delta, Ada, um, and IOTA. And when it comes to before 2020 here, just a fun fact here is only three other Atlantic storms have observed an air pressure drop of 59 millibars or more in 24 hours. And that was Gilbert in 1988, rita and wilma in 2005 then ada dropped um ada had a 59 millibar drop iota had a 65 millibar drop two weeks apart and those and those storms are the ones that impacted nicaragua and over the final ones of the year um so it's just crazy how 2020 was but there has but it has become more of a common thing over the last couple of years just because of climate change because i'm just here looking at some mm-hmm. stats here and some of the earliest storms that I can see here on these, on these lists here, um, there's a one that call, it's called King in 1950, that had a 60 mile an hour increase, um, Eloise in 1975, a 60 mile an hour increase, uh, Danny in 1997, that had a 50 mile an hour increase, so it's a lot less common in the 20th century, but as we entered into the 21st century, especially into the 2010s, it became more of a recurring thing.
1: And um, researchers do attribute part of um, the increase in rapid intensification to occur due to uh, climate change. Because if you think about it, the ocean takes up a large part of Earth. um, All the heat that we have, land absorbs some heat, but again, land also quickly cools off compared to the ocean. So when we have these warmer ocean temperatures, it's because it's trapping that heat, whether you know, it be naturally by the sun, but also by greenhouse gases in the atmosphere because those trap heat within our atmosphere. So that's keeping the heat here. And if the heat can't escape, where's the heat going? So we have that heat causing the oceans to warm, causing more fuel to the fire. So they are noticing, as Ulysses mentioned, a correlation between um, rapid intensification and climate change because again we have these gases trapping that heat in the atmosphere causing these oceans to continue to warm to trap that heat and that is why we see those ocean temperatures stay warmer a little later in the season now that's why ada and iota were able to rapidly intensify so far out in the season and you know become we could see that happen again with more storms as we had throughout this season that they could rapidly intensify, whether it be from a tropical storm to a hurricane or from a hurricane to a major hurricane. So as we have researchers perform more research on this topic, we could see a higher correlation to it. Because I believe now they're saying one in 20 storms will rapidly intensify. But obviously, 2020 was an anomaly um, overall.
0: No, yeah, absolutely. And. Um, You know, some of the the information I was mentioning earlier about storms that rapidly intensified, some of these stats that I was giving out, I should have clarified a little bit better, is that, um, like you said, you know, climate change and everything, but what's scary about some of these storms is that they're actually intensifying um, even within 24 hours of landfall. So, you know, this is at the point where maybe you're saying, um, which is kind of unfortunate because I know that, you know, we tell people to evacuate, we tell people to prepare for the storm, and it's unfortunate that say you're already preparing, maybe let's say you even evacuated. And because the fact that these waters are so, uh, you know, conducive and we're dealing with just these thunderstorms coming together, um, you know, you may be preparing for one category, but just in 24 hours, um, you know, that category is gonna Mm. increase. So, and that's the thing that's becoming more concerning is that we're also dealing with rapid intensification, um, not just in the halfway point of a storm, but you know, right as it's tiptoeing towards landfall, um, you know, just in those final moments before it touches land, which is mm-hmm. um, you know very uh, you know, scary situation here um, as people are preparing and evacuating um, for these systems. And, you know, the fact that with some of the, I mean, good thing we have the National Hurricane Center, you know, the technology has gotten better. We've been able to forecast better when these storms, uh, the intensity of them, but still, still a very scary situation. Mm-hmm. The fact that um, here you are 24 hours prior to a hurricane making landfall and you think, oh, it's a tropical storm. And it's possible you can be done with a cat three or cat four um, by tomorrow because it has this one stretch of water that it has mm-hmm. to go through and all the perfect ingredients for it to happen. So, um, But they're saying, yes, it's becoming a little more common now that even just a day before landfall, we're seeing that rapid intensification. So it doesn't even have to happen two or three days out, but just the day before.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, And I also think something else to mention is that we're talking about the association with warmer ocean temperatures, um, which is caused by climate change, caused by a warmer atmosphere because the oceans absorb about 9% of the heat. So some other effects that we're seeing from the system is now we have these stronger winds within these systems. We see them rapidly intensifying. And the winds, that's what drives the water on shore for storm surge. Mm -hmm. So now we're seeing storm surge that's a little higher. So that's another impact from this. And if we go back to ida the national hurricane center did a great job they forecasted that it was going to become a category four hurricane before landfall they knew that it was going to impact a stretch of warm water they knew it was going to rapidly intensify so yes there is a way for forecasters to look at data and determine if the storm could rapidly intensify or not so that is something that they are paying um, attention to but again, with Ida that Ulysses was talking about too with the system is that, you know, we're seeing them rapidly intensify right before landfall. They're performing eye wall replacement right before landfall. And that's what caused Ida to stay a major hurricane a few hours after it made landfall because generally we'll see these systems begin to um, weaken, you know, land hurricanes, tropical systems. They don't like land. This is when they're going to start to lose their tropical characteristics. This is when they're going to start to weaken and everything. This is when you know they're really just become rainmakers, especially for us here on Marva. Also, the potential still to bring us a severe weather threat. But as they make landfall, this is generally the time we see them weaken. But with you know these warm ocean temperatures, them rapidly intensifying right before landfall, them um, continuing to strengthen and performing eyewall replacement, we're seeing them stay stronger hours after landfall, and that's what we saw with Ida.
0: Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we. I mean, I think it was it didn't get downgraded to a tropical storm until it crossed the Louis. I think it was um, once it entered Mississippi. So the fact that it was the entire lifespan that Ida was in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Um, it was still a hurricane, and I know even a couple of years ago with Michael, um, it was still a major hurricane as it entered Georgia. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, keep you mind, it made landfall close to the Panama City area, and that's still quite a bit of a distance because it still has to travel through parts of Alabama and then into Georgia, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that they were saying that that was a major hurricane entering the state of Georgia, and that was still, uh, you know, a good mm-hmm. amount of hours, you know, 10, I think it was still 10 hours, uh, 9 to 10 hours after landfall, uh, so, like Sloan's saying, the, the, these rapid intensifications now are becoming more of a concern um, inland as well. Like we've been noticing them um, anytime they post tropical storm warnings or hurricane watches and, and warnings, and we'll see them extend them, them inland. Yeah, they're getting more and more nor- uh, more inland. So now it's like you know, even such on the Gulf Coast, like they'll extend into parts of uh, you know Mississippi and even getting closer to parts of Tennessee mm-hmm. now because of the fact that this rapid intensification is pushing them farther and farther inland. So now inland areas who where, yeah, they'll still get the remnants, but they're still gonna get stronger remnants. They're gonna get Mm -hmm. more wind, uh, more rain. And then obviously if you're on the coast, you're gonna get more of that storm surge. So it's Mm -hmm. just becoming uh, more of a threat um, and it's gonna be impacting more and more areas and more and more people as time goes on.
1: Yep, and and that's what, um, even into this week, we're still seeing recovery efforts because of um, Ida. And I think something to mention is that Ulysses and I are both from Florida, we've both seen Um, devastation from tropical systems. And it's that something to think about too, is that we had a major hurricane landfall in Louisiana, that the recovery isn't going to be immediate. It's not going to happen right away. People are still trying to, whose homes were destroyed, trying to find their belongings still. Um, People missing, still trying to find people. With Michael, it was a major hurricane. you can go drive down west the panhandle of florida and see where the winds pass over because those trees are still broken so you can still see the devastation from these systems year after but i think what Ulysses and i are really trying to say with this podcast is that it doesn't matter if you know it's a tropical storm making landfall doesn't matter if it's a major hurricane making landfall there's still the concern for um threat to life and property so people should stay safe for all of them adhere to warnings and even pay attention to those watches because they can be expanded inland to places that normally aren't under tropical st- storm warnings or watches.
0: Yeah, and I think also another thing we have to consider, as well, is um, even as they become remnants, um, and I feel like a lot of this maybe even do associated with rapid intensification. Like look what happened with Ida, in the Northeast. Yes, it became extratropical, but it makes you wonder. The fact that it was st- the, the fact that it had that rapid intensification, the fact that yes, it became a remnant, but the fact that it was still enough to hold together and it mm-hmm. brought you know flooding rains and severe weather for here for the mid Atlantic and the north in New England, um, it's still a threat, even as a remnant. And I think a lot of that also you have to keep in mind is just how much it intensified beforehand, just like because it makes you wonder if it was a weaker storm at uh, landfall, um, would would the severe weather threat and the flooding threat Mm -hmm. in the Northeast been what it was? It's possible, maybe not, you know, we don't know for sure, but it's possible. But, you know, you can say even as a remnant extra tropical low, the fact that yes, it did have a cold front that aided it, but still those, um, you know, there's still a lot of factors. I wouldn't be surprised if rapid intensification also had to do something even Mm -hmm. as a remnant phase of the storm as well.
1: And I think we'll see researchers study this system more and determine if that um, did cause, you know, the severe weather outbreak for the Northeast. I mean, Mullica Hill, New Jersey, had at least an EF3 tornado Mm -hmm. pass through. That's what the National Weather Service classified it as. Again, grew up in New Jersey as well, a state really not known to get strong tornadoes like that. Burlington County, where I'm from, had that tornado pass by over the Burlington-Bristol Bridge. And even that's an anomaly really for the state of New Jersey. I think New Jersey gets two tornadoes on average each year. So to see, you know, that severe weather threat from this system, that was a remnant system as it impacted the Mid-Atlantic and the Northeast. We could see more studies come um, about this and everything.
0: No, yeah, absolutely. So it's, I mean, I I know there's gonna be research done. They're gonna, I feel like remnant storms are also gonna be included in this research when it comes to valuations of the tropical storms. And and then you also have to include the the severe weather components, Mm -hmm. the flooding, the rain, um the, the tornadoes um you know it's definitely uh, something we have to consider so uh, but yeah rapid rapid intensification it's definitely a serious thing it's definitely you know every time uh so you know every that's why we we always tell you you know to keep an eye uh that's why we're always tracking the tropics here because anytime uh things can change in a hurry especially mm-hmm. um even right especially right now we're in september you know the peak of hurricane season will actually be on friday i believe friday yes the 10th yes uh so yeah it will be on friday here so yes the peak of hurricane season but keep in mind though mm. the, the the best the peak intensity time has already started in august and that will continue all the way through october so even though the peak will be on friday we're still going to be dealing with um you know more frequent periods of storms to develop because the waters are just now at their peak right now and they'll start mm-hmm. cooling off gradually but um the main thing you know we're trying to tell you here is we're not trying to scare you we just want you to you know, be aware and, you know, just be prepared. And the thing is, you know, you want to be prepared all year long, uh, you know, when it comes to um, all these storms. And the fact that even though we've been dealing with rapid intensification now pushing into November, keep in mind, we're also dealing with storms developing at the beginning of the season. So, I mean, yet we have not dealt with really major hurricanes in July and June, but if climate change continues, this could unfortunately become uh, a concern and a threat um, for June and July. I'm not trying to scare anyone. I'm just saying uh, just the way trends are happening. The fact that we got, you know, major hurricanes in November uh, means we could have it on the other side of the season as well.
1: Mm-hmm. And also, as we head throughout this week, um, you know, Friday, Ulysses mentioned is the peak of hurricane season. But um, Larry, still out at sea, expected uh, impacts of Bermuda still uncertain, but expected to bring them storm surge and some stronger winds. But for us here on the east coast of the US, um, we will see that rip current risk increase as we head into the end of the work week. So something else that we always like to touch on is that even though a system is hundreds of miles out at sea away from us, it can still influence what we're experiencing here. So do not be surprised if we see that rip current risk increase as we head throughout the week.
0: That is true, Sloan. And I know, um, I always, I know Daniel and I, we've talked about it a couple times, um, rip currents is the threat um, I just always forget which part of Del Marva it is, but it is the number one weather killer. Mm-hmm. Um, I just forget if it's the northern half or the southern half. I'm sorry if I don't have that information on me, but it's definitely um, one of the killers on Del Marva is rip current. So you know, please, you know, if you're gonna go on the beach, uh, you know, look at those flags, um, you know, talk to a lifeguard. Um, just don't go out there um, nilly nilly, and you know, because you really want to be careful out there because it's a you know really serious situation. And like Sloane said it's hundreds thousands of miles away but it still has an impact along our coast
1: yep well i think we covered everything you wanted to touch on right ulysses
0: yeah i think uh, we covered everything um so you know just the main takeaway here rapid intensification it's you know uh just you know it intensifies really quickly in a short amount of time um and you know the main thing is just to you know, be prepared stay tuned you know make sure to be with stay tuned with our 47 abc storm team make sure to download our weather app it gives you all the weather alerts and uh, you know, we'll always let you know when there's something going on in the tropics. Uh, but if there's nothing else to talk about, let's uh, wrap this thing. So I want to say to everyone, thank you for tuning in. I hope everyone has a great finish to their work week. Um, I hope everyone did have a great Labor Day or back on Monday. And uh, everyone have a great weekend as well. So thank you for listening to this podcast. So I'm meteorologist Ulysses Garcia and-
1: I'm meteorologist Sloan Haynes.
0: And when it comes to WeatherWise, we're bringing you some weather wisdom. Uh, Thank you.